It's so overt, it's covert. A Teen Wolf Harry Potter fusion. Part one of the Ain't That a Kick in the Head verse. Written by Swing Set in December. Read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. It's not like Styles had any inclination to make an attempt to bypass the age line that Headmaster Hale drew around the Goblet of Fire. He's a little too busy trying to help Scott get a pretty Biobatanza's witch's attention. It largely involves late nights in an empty classroom trying to learn French. Scott's accent is terrible. It didn't help that Derek caught them two nights ago and deducted an unhealthy amount of house points from both Ravenclaw and Gryffindor. Professor Harris has been eyeballing him all week, like he's expecting Styles to make a run for the goblet. A thousand galleons is attempting enough prize, but Styles' dad is already worrying about his son being at a boarding school alone in the Scottish moors. So Styles really doesn't think entering a competition where people have the horrible tendency to die will do anything to help with his blood pressure. Styles is considerate that way, even if beating the age line would be dead easy. So he's eating his porridge at the Ravenclaw table, because Derek's still glaring at him, and Scott won't stop speaking really horrible French. It's sad that Styles can tell the difference, but then, he grew up learning Spanish in primary school, so French is pretty similar. He's regretting telling Scott that. So Gryffindor table is out, and Danny won't let him hang out at the Slytherin table anymore, since he always ends up asking if Danny finds him attractive. But sitting at his own table means he has to deal with other things, like Lydia. We're down thirty house points, Lydia says, like she's discussing the weather, which they could be, what with the ceiling being the sky. Fancy that, he says over an obscene mouthful of porridge. Lydia wrinkles her nose in disgust. We're behind Hufflepuff. She continues. Styles really wishes she was hanging out with Jackson rather than focusing her keen intellect on him. Ah. He nods, because agreeing with Lydia is always a good way to not be hexed. He'd rather not start the day in the infirmary. I want that house cup, she declares, like Styles is standing in her way. I'm not doing anything, he says, holding his hands out in defense, because really he isn't, unless learning French after hours is against the school charter. It could be. The founders are strange, and Derek was pretty pissed. Sure, and the fact that Derek Hale is glaring at you means nothing, she snorts. It's like she can sense who loses house points. It's eerie. Styles wonders if she's a legilimens. He should really schedule in some time to read up on occlumency. I thought this was settled last year. You know, when you stopped mooning over me and started having study dates with the head boy. Styles chokes on his porridge and makes an abortive attempt to self-administer the Heimlich. What?! Leah just rolls her eyes like he's an especially dull wizard, like Greenberg, and that hurts. You know, Derek Hale? Styles takes a large gulp of pumpkin juice before sputtering it half back into the cup when he remembers he hates pumpkin juice. Derek's not head boy, he coughs out, except Derek kind of is, unofficially. What with Headmaster Hale trying not to show obvious nepotism? Some smarmy Hufflepuff is. And he defers to Derek all the time even if Derek's just a grumpy prefect who loves rules and ruining Styles' life. 
They aren't study dates, he says finally, because Derek just shows up and dumps his potions textbooks across from Stiles without any warning in the library. It's not planned, but Derek is a helpful ear to bend on care of magical creatures, and defense against the dark arts, though Stiles wonders why Derek is even taking muggle studies. And I never mooned over you. Lydia just arches her right eyebrow. I appreciated you, for your devious brain, which is in no way attractive anymore, by the way, he continues. Just keep it in your pants. I'd like to not have to worry about losing house points due to teen angst. Stiles is bewildered, because really, the only teen angst he has is the lack of any under-the-pants action. What with Derek appearing when Stiles even tries to flirt with someone, Moaning Myrtle won't even talk to him, since Derek almost exercised her last year and that was just a practice attempt to get a date to Hogsmeade for Valentine's Day. He ended up spending that weekend in detention, supervised by none other than Derek Hale. He'll never admit that taking care of the hippogriffs was pretty fun. Derek brought hot chocolate because it was cold, which was strange, but not unwelcome. I was just helping Scott, he says, because Lydia is staring at him. I wasn't doing anything wrong. Lydia laughs, like she knows something. It's a leery laugh. She's been spending too much time with Jackson. Ew! I could never with Scott? That's disgusting! He says when he catches on. His stomach revolts at the thought. That would be like ten kinds of wrong! He's my best friend, and not even my type. Hmm. Just try to only lose house points for classroom stupidity, she says. I'd rather not lose to Jackson's house. He's already insufferable about winning the Quidditch Cup last year. And yet you're still dating him, Stiles mocks. You're one to talk, Lydia says returning her attention to breakfast. Stiles frowns at her. He isn't even in a relationship. He rubs his neck, feeling a phantom itch, like he's being stared at. Stiles turns around to see and spots Derek staring at him. Unsurprising, really. It's one of Derek's pastimes. If Stiles didn't know any better, he'd think Derek was eavesdropping. Except that would be ridiculous, what with him being on the other side of the Great Hall. When he catches his eye, Derek's lips actually twitch which is an improvement from his death glare of doom he's been giving Stiles since he found Stiles and Scott in that classroom. Stiles returns it with a grin, because he's not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Derek in a good mood is rare and should be exploited. Lydia just sighs and shakes her head. You are an idiot. Stiles may never understand women. It's a good thing he's rather attracted to guys. Now if only he could get a date. If you're wondering if I want you to... I want you to. A Teen Wolf Harry Potter Fusion. Part 2 of the Ain't That a Kick in the Head verse. Written by Swing Set in December. Read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. Styles is avoiding everyone. The best place to do that is apparently the library, since everyone has gone Yule Ball crazy. The Ravenclaw common room is a minefield of puppy dog eyes, giggling, and awkward declarations of love. Hanging out with Scott is also out, since he's been practicing the same speech over and over again for when he finally gets the courage to ask Allison Argent to the ball. Half of the speech is in French, and Stiles can't restrain himself from correcting him every few lines. The library is dead. He cloisters himself in a small nook with his half-finished arithmetic paper. He's already got a foot and a half written. Ugh, what I wouldn't do for a computer, he groans when he smudges the last five lines of his discussion. It's virtually unreadable. Computer, asks a familiar voice. Stiles peers up from his study table to find Derek with his leather school bag on his left shoulder with three enormous textbooks under his right arm. It's a muggle thing, 
Stiles says with a forlorn sigh. Derek merely raises an eyebrow before dumping his books on the table and pulling out a chair across from Stiles, jostling Stiles' knee when he settles in. Derek's right leg is a warm weight against Stiles' left knee. Derek doesn't shove him away when Stiles' leg hits his. Is that it? Derek says, ignoring Stiles' grumbling protests of Derek taking more than half of the table. Derek had opened one of his textbooks, Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles, and Stiles blinks momentarily at the title. It sounds like his dad is a rare form of bird rather than a detective inspector to the new Scotland Yard. The page Derek holds up, expectantly, is of a computer from the 1980s. Yeah, Stiles says, and Derek actually smirks in a know-it-all way. Except mine is from this decade, he says wistfully. His dad had bought it for his birthday over the summer. He'd have stowed it away to Hogwarts if it could even work here. Stupid magically interference. There are different models? Derek asks, his face drawn in confusion. Like broomsticks? Exactly like broomsticks. Dude! You should come over in the summer. Man, I heard from my dad that the new Halo came out this year, and... He looks up at Derek, who's actually smiling. Stiles really thinks he should do that more often, as it changes his whole face. Stiles feels his ears turn red inexplicably. I mean, you don't have to. He falters, because Derek must have better things to do over summer break than hang out with a fifth year he can't stand. But Derek's been less moody since the first task, and Stiles really shouldn't push it. I'm sure you have better things to do. Scott said he'd try to get away in July, but... Sounds fun, Derek says, and Stiles thinks he actually means it, and is not just being polite. But it's December, and Stiles is pretty sure Derek will have forgotten about it by the time the year ends. The thought doesn't comfort Stiles as much as he thought. So, what brings you here? I thought you'd be holding court in Gryffindor. Stiles coughs out, focusing on his essay to hide the flush in his face. I'm avoiding people, says Derek darkly. Stiles looks up, his quill hanging from his lips. Derek's gaze lingers there, causing Stiles to lick his lips instinctively. People? You mean our love-struck student body? Stiles snorts, grimacing at the feathers that ended up in his mouth. In his next letter to his dad, he's definitely asking for him to send pens. Maybe even those promotional ones from the yard. You mention one measly dance and suddenly everybody's acting their shoe size. Derek lets out an amused chuckle. Stiles subtly pinches his arm to check if he's not imagining things. Sounds about right, Derek agrees. Champions are required to bring dates. Stiles blinks owlishly at him, because Derek actually sounded depressed, like finding a date to the Yule Ball is on par with dueling against dark wizards or drinking pumpkin juice. Actually, Stiles thinks Derek would actually enjoy hexing dark wizards. His DADA marks are unparalleled, but he hates pumpkin juice just as much as Stiles, so Stiles is going with the second analogy. Shouldn't be too hard to find a willing witch, Stiles says, because really, Derek's a catch. He's heard enough witches in his house extol his virtues. Or wizard. Derek scrutinizes Stiles for a moment. You'd think. Well, yeah, you're you. If you'd stop being a grumpy griff, I'm sure you'd have to beat them away with a broomstick, Stiles says, gesturing to Derek's torso, which fills out the school uniform in a very distracting way. Stiles feels like someone else should be here, like one of Derek's Quidditch teammates or his friends, who would be better equipped at cheering up Derek and being wingmen to his lack of game. This is a new territory for Stiles. Talking to Derek about something other than rule-breaking or house points is odd, not unwelcomed, but still weird. So, you're saying anyone would be happy to go with me? Derek asks intently. Stiles snorts, of course, 
he says, and Derek actually looks relieved. And Lydia calls me an idiot. So you'll come? Derek asks, his gaze focused on Styles. To the dance? Well, yeah. Someone's got to make sure Scott doesn't embarrass himself, grins Styles. He's planning on finally asking Allison. Styles waggles his eyebrows. He can't dance. No, I mean... Derek starts off, looking frustrated. Styles! Scott appears in front of him like he akeoed him there. You've got to help me! Derek looks even more pissed at the interruption. Styles focuses on Scott, who looks freaked out. McCall, 50 points from Gryffindor. Derek growls out. Styles gapes at Derek, because that's excessive for being noisy in the library. But Scott doesn't seem to mind. If looks could kill, Styles would have had to find a new best friend. My mom is going to the Yule Ball with Headmaster Hale, announces Scott like it's the end of the world. Styles raises his eyebrow. The entire afternoon had been really weird. This is just the icing on the cake. Scott looks haggard and scandalized at the same time. What? Styles manages before Scott drags him out of his chair towards the door. My books! No time! We have to stop this, Scott says before pushing him out of the library, leaving Derek scowling at their books. Styles idly wonders who Derek will take to the Yule Ball. It ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. A Teen Wolf Harry Potter fusion fic. Part 3 of the Ain't That a Kick in the Head verse. Written by Swing Set in December. Read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. Styles is really deeply considering why he's even helping Derek Hale. He's pretty much gotten immune to Derek's death threats and moodiness since third year when they awkwardly bonded over the fact that they could both see Threstles and agreed that Butterbeer wasn't the bee's knees. But after being manhandled from the Great Hall when he tried to wink at the Durmstrang champion, Styles debates on washing his hands of everything Derek Hale related, no matter how well he fills out a Quidditch uniform. Merlin's beard, I can walk on my own, he gripes as Derek drags him by his robes. He's been trying to stop swearing the mug away, mainly because his classmates just think he's come down with a case of wizard Tourette's, which is just playing weird after his third visit to the infirmary. You were talking to the enemy, Derek growls out, which stops Styles from trying to wriggle out of his grasp. Derek herds him towards the stairs. Enemy, gapes Styles. Since when do you care who I talk to? I wasn't even at the talking phase. Phase four is talking. And what about fostering wizarding brotherhood? Or was your uncle just bullshitting everyone? Derek just glares at him, but Styles sees a twitch of his lips, which Styles uses as his window to wriggle out of his outer black robe, leaving Derek holding it. He loosens his Ravenclaw tie, taking a much-needed breath of air. He looks his lips and sighs when Derek is staring at him oddly. Styles rubs his face to check if he's got anything on it. Looks clean. Thank Merlin I bribed Danny into flirting with him says Styles, looking back towards the Great Hall entrance. It only took giving him my iPod for the next week. What? You know, for the clue, Styles says, lowering his voice, checking a shady-looking first-year Slytherin suspiciously. Since last night's recon went so spectacularly, that's me being sarcastic, by the way, if wizards don't get sarcasm. You mean when you broke into the restricted section, says Derek. And sarcasm is not an inherently muggle thing. Like obeying school rules isn't just a wizard one. It's a school library! You make it sound like I broke into the Department of Mysteries, huffs Styles, turning to climb the stairs towards his common room, only to have Derek crowd him towards the direction of Gryffindor Tower. I wouldn't put it past you, mumbles Derek under his breath. I'm going to take that as a compliment. You would, snorts Derek in derision, 
tossing Styles' robe at him. It almost looked like he was smiling at Styles. Styles flails a bit to shuck on his robe before Derek pulls him down another hall. I will, Mr. Grumpy Griff. Stop calling me that, glares Derek. And while we're at it, stop trying to talk to the other champions. At least you have the sense to stay away from Kate Argent. Styles stops walking, and Derek almost crashes into him. He would have totally talked to the Biobatons champion if she didn't freak him out. Styles puts some space between them, only to poke his right index finger into Derek's chest. Hey, I did it for you. Me? Derek looks confused. Or that he ate a lemon. Styles can't tell. He really isn't that great at reading Derek when he isn't pissed off. It's a relatively new chapter in their relationship. He wonders if that's the appropriate word he should be throwing around. Yeah. Lydia said the Durmstring champion already figured out the clue and... I can figure it out myself, grits out Derek in irritation, turning to a familiar painting and saying something under his breath, which Styles decides to be offended by on principle. Derek should know that Styles needs new wizarding swearing material. He can't keep talking about Merlin's clothes. Styles snorts. Yeah, two months of that got you nowhere. Derek merely shoves him forward. And it's a good thing Danny has school spirit, cause... Wait, how did I get here? Styles turns around in confusion as he regards the cozy Gryffindor common room. It's practically deserted. Derek just sighs like Styles is missing something important, shaking his head and sprawling onto one of the empty couches with grace that Styles envies. Styles shuffles awkwardly before stepping in further. He's never really been here, unless he counts that time with the fire whiskey after Derek was declared champion. But the events of that night are still hazy. Though he did wake up on the Gryffindor common room floor, his face mashed into Derek's side. He's not going to admit how nice that was, aside from Scott passed out at his feet. Wizard's chess? Derek offers almost hesitantly, looking at the crackling fireplace and not at Styles. Styles grins. He's going to beat the pants off Derek, and he's not going to think why that made him blush. It Had to Be You, a Teen Wolf Harry Potter fusion pick. Part 4 of the Ain't That a Kick in the Head verse. Written by Swing Set in December. Read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. Styles is under no impression that being a wizard would ever make him popular, or border under the impression that he'd ever be cool. He isn't even on the starting line for his house's Quidditch team, and Ravenclaw isn't known for their athletic prowess. They're ranked last. He really doesn't think him playing would lessen their odds. He sometimes fantasizes on what his life could have been like if on his 11th birthday he'd come down to breakfast to find an Xbox 360 rather than his dad fiddling with a thick envelope with a sad smile on his face. You're a wizard, his dad had declared in a serious tone. Styles briefly thought his dad was attempting to be funny. Your mother would have been so proud. Between his dad hugging him and talking about getting an owl, all Styles could muster out was, huh, well, I guess some mysteries do solve themselves, because he knew it wasn't normal to sneeze and change the wallpaper, and how much Hogwarts was going to suck. It was a boarding school. He was already being scarlet nerded at a public school. He highly doubted that would change at a wizard school, even if he was getting an owl, which sounded pretty awesome in itself. His gut instinct wasn't wrong. It only took 30 minutes on platform 9 and 3 quarters to have the misfortune to register on Derek Hale's radar. Styles thinks, in that moment, his life went from being craptastic to upshit creek. Styles can't decide if being in Ravenclaw is a good thing. On one hand, it's his mother's house. His dad was practically beaming with pride at the news. 
They'd spent the entire winter break of his first year going through his mom's old school trunk. Though Stiles is constantly reminded by Professor Harris that he needs to improve his focus. Stiles has plenty of focus, just not in class, or with essays, or respecting curfews. Stiles can blame Derek for the last one. Derek Hale is an asshole, albeit a hot one, but still an asshole, a jerk of epic proportions, but ruggedly handsome, and has made it his mission to ruin Stiles' life since he stepped onto platform nine and three quarters. Well, when Stiles had the misfortune of running into him, how was he supposed to know Derek Hale had personal space issues? Didn't seem to stop him now from throwing him against available castle walls when Stiles ran his mouth after being caught breaking curfew. How did Derek even become a prefect in the first place? But then, the headmaster is Derek's uncle, so really, Stiles shouldn't question it. Stiles seriously thought Derek would have gotten over being annoyed at Stiles. They barely saw each other during school hours, what with Derek being a prefect and in Gryffindor. Stiles only saw Derek when he'd catch him and Scott wandering around the castle after hours, which was a lot, or when Derek took over half of Stiles' study space in the library to finish off his essays. Though it always baffled Stiles, since he wasn't the ideal study buddy, he'd already been kicked out of the unofficial Ravenclaw one, what with his fidgeting and his occasional humming of muggle indie rock music. Stiles chalked it up to the fact that his study table had better lighting than most, and that Derek, despite being two years above Stiles, sucked at potions. But it didn't explain why Stiles would catch him staring at him. Stiles's questioning eyebrow was usually met with a dark scowl and demands to explain a complex potion. Stiles couldn't even say they were friends, because Scott was Stiles' friend, and Scott never threatened to rip out his throat if he caught him in the Forbidden Forest again. Though, to be fair, Stiles was looking for Scott that time. But still, friends don't threaten friends with bodily harm. And Derek has friends. Legions of Gryffindors adore him. As does most of the school. Well, except Slytherins. But that's normal. Stiles doubts Slytherins like each other. Well, except Danny. Everyone loves Danny. Stiles doesn't have a lot of time to contemplate Derek's friendship status, what with essays to attempt to write, late-night Quidditch practices with Scott, and avoiding most of his house whenever he loses house points. It's an inkling that itches his brain whenever he looks up from his homework, worrying his quill between his lips, to find Derek eyeing him. But Derek has been too busy to loom over Stiles since he was selected as champion of Hogwarts in the Triwizard Tournament, a tournament that his uncle, Peter Hale, thought was just the thing to bring the wizarding community together. Scott was already fostering togetherness with a Biobatons student at the top of the astronomy tower. It was one of the reasons Stiles was breaking curfew. He could only hope that Scott would be his lookout if their situation was reversed. He was twirling his wand idly when someone cleared their throat behind him. Stiles just sighed. He would have thought Derek would have just thrown him against a wall. So, manhandling curfew breakers is below the school champ... He snarks, turning around, only to find Headmaster Hale instead of Derek. Oh shit. Mr. Stalinsky. Stiles is already trying to scout viable escape routes. He doesn't feel that jumping off the astronomy tower would work. Also, it would totally kill the mood Scott is trying to get with Allison. Stiles licks his lips and debates if it would be manly to run screaming down the hall. If I may have a word with you. Stiles usually reserves a healthy dose of fear and respect for Headmaster Hale. If rumors are true, he's a werewolf who prowls the Forbidden Forest and eats students breaking curfew. Uh... But Headmaster Hale seems to take that as a yes, and that's how Stiles finds himself seated in Headmaster Hale's office. If this is about breaking curfew... 
I believe you are aware of the fact that my nephew is Hogwarts champion in the Triwizard Tournament, Headmaster Hale says, his voice cutting off Styles before he can really start explaining how Styles' code of bros or house points is a justifiable reason to be out of his dorm. Derek usually humors him a bit before threatening him. Styles just fidgets awkwardly at that declaration, because of course Styles knows about Derek being Hogwarts champion. He was there when Derek decided to get shit-faced with fire whiskey to celebrate, though it seemed that Derek couldn't get drunk. Styles doesn't remember much from that night, and it was Styles that forced Scott to use his friendship with Professor Deaton to find out that the first task involved fighting a dragon. Yet Derek was more pissed at Styles for breaking curfew again than actually discovering that he had to fight a dragon. Styles seriously debated helping him again. He really couldn't afford the house points. Headmaster Hale clears his throat, causing Styles to snap back to the conversation. Uh, yes, sir, Styles finally remembers to say. Headmaster Hale pinches the bridge of his nose with a sigh. Has Derek figured out the clue from the first task? He asks. Styles shrugs awkwardly. He really wasn't supposed to help Derek anymore, what with him being an ass and all, not appreciative of all of Styles' hard work, and not even a Ravenclaw, as Lydia had never failed to remind him. But after watching Derek almost get eaten by a Hungarian horntail, Styles broke into the restricted section on Derek's behalf, what with his abhorrence for rule-breaking, though it didn't help much. Styles had to get Danny to flirt with the Durmstrang champion to get the clue, mainly because Derek had the uncanny ability to appear when Styles tried to flirt with anyone. Even that one time when he tried to flirt with Moaning Myrtle. Headmaster Hale merely arches his left eyebrow. Styles can see the family resemblance. Derek has the same nonplussed expression. Styles really doesn't want to elaborate to Derek's uncle the evening spent with Derek in the prefix bathroom, which was beyond awkward. The mermaid flirting with him was no help, especially when Derek tossed him into the water. Mermaids, Styles says finally. Headmaster Hale looks relieved, and Styles will almost say impressed, but he tries not to get into the awkward relationship that exists between Derek and his uncle. Apparently, the only reason Derek's even at Hogwarts is because of his older sister. Styles eyes the door with a hopeful look, but Headmaster Hale is still looking at him with a keen gaze that has him wishing Scott knew he's no longer being the best wingman in all of history, and has hatched a plan to rescue him from this conversation. Does he know what they will take? Headmaster Hale asks. Take? Styles manages to ask. As far as he knows, Derek doesn't really like anything, except rules and he doubts mermaids have any use for the Hogwarts Prefect Handbook. Maybe? Styles hasn't seen Derek in a couple of days. Well, not since the whole bathroom incident. He's even tempted to use air quotes, but he's doubtful that the headmaster is on the up-and-up with muggle slang, however dated it may be. Headmaster Hale merely steeples his fingers in a patronizing way, and Styles has the overwhelming feeling he's missing something extremely important. Interesting, Headmaster Hale says. Very interesting. Styles seriously debates if he can jump into a painting. Maybe Dumbledore's. It looks safer there. Headmaster Hale seems to be at a loss for words, and that's coming from a man who can speak to snakes. Your name has come out of the Goblet of Fire, Headmaster Hale finally says. Styles just stares at him blankly. Headmaster Hale sighs as if the act of elaborating further pains him greatly. As a hostage. At those words, it all seems to click into place. Styles thinks he's having a panic attack, because it sounds like he's Derek's, which doesn't make any sense. Along with two others, you already know Danny, who will be there for the Durmstrang champion, and young Miss Argent for the Biobatons champion. Headmaster Hale continues, as if Styles freaking out is normal behavior, 
What? Styles releases a hollow laugh. He thinks Headmaster Hale has picked a pretty shitty time to develop a sense of humor. It appears that you are whom my nephew would miss the most. Styles thinks it's excusable for him to pass out. Manly, even. Styles wakes up to Derek looming over him. His green eyes alight with relief and dripping water all over Styles' face. Styles thinks it's as good a time as any to kiss him. He's too distracted by Derek's tongue to notice the crowd cheering behind him. Some mysteries really do solve themselves. Kiss Me Like You Mean It, a Teen Wolf Harry Potter fusion fic, part five of the Ain't That a Kick in the Head verse, written by Swing Set in December, read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. The day has finally come, the third and final task of the Triwizard Tournament. Styles hasn't seen Derek since last night, when he came down to breakfast, the first one in the Great Hall, only to find out that the champions had already been whisked away by their respective headmasters from their rooms in preparation for the third task. Styles' stomach feels like a ball of lead. He didn't even have the chance to wish Derek good luck. He may be new at this whole dating thing, but he's sure that's at the top of any list of things to do. It's a small comfort that Danny looks as lost as he feels. He really hit it off with the Durmstrang champion. It's Scott that pulls him from his stupor and all but drags him to the spectator's stand, where Allison is saving them front row seats in front of the grandstand podium to await the appearance of the champions. Styles feels nauseous as the highlights of the final task are narrated by Professor Finstock in all their gory details. The Durmstrang champion appears first, disqualified after the first hour, putting him in third. Danny is at his side in an instant. The crowd claps politely but Styles is focused on the fact that Derek's in a deadly maze facing unknown dangers with Kate Argent. The Bilbaton's champion has made no allusions to hide her distaste for Derek or her malicious competitive streak during the tournament. Styles worries his bottom lip between his teeth in frustration as they enter the fifth hour of the tournament. A lot of first years have already retreated to their respective common rooms to wait out the results. Kate appears with a shrill shriek, her once fine golden tresses matted to her face as Professor Finstock finishes telling everyone she fell victim to a portable swamp. Styles pays her little notice, even when Allison rushes out to console her cousin, who is not taking losing that gracefully. The crowd is on its feet with anticipation. Styles has almost bitten his lip ragged when Derek appears in the center of the grandstand podium with the Triwizard Cup in his left hand, swaying with exhaustion. The crowd of spectators erupts into chaos the banners turning to showcase the Hogwarts crest and flag. To Styles, the deafening sound of celebration fades to the back of his mind as he rushes up the platform to reach Derek first. Derek's filthy, his robe is covered in dirt, and his face is scraped up with blood and ash. Styles nearly bowls Derek over in his haste to get to him. He takes Derek's face in his hands, and Derek for once lets himself be manhandled, and only winces when Styles prods his shoulder. Shit, did I hurt you? Styles asks, worrying his already abused lip between his teeth. His hand hovers uncertainly over Derek's shoulders. Derek's eyes flash with an electric blue heat that has him closing those last few inches between them so he can kiss Styles. Styles' hand moves up to cradle Derek's face, pulling him closer. Derek tastes like cinnamon and heat, his tongue a wet, rough glide against Styles's. They've done this often enough now for it to not be so awkward, though it's still as strange as it is amazing. Styles can't really wrap his head around the fact that he can do this whenever he wants. The crowd surrounding them is forgotten. Derek pulls back, 
his mouth red and wet, his eyes crinkling in silent laughter. He thumbs the bottom edge of Styles's lower lip. Told you I'd win. Styles's jaw drops before he glares at Derek. Seriously? You're going to be cocky about almost dying? He's about to pull away when Derek's smile turns gleeful and his eyes dance with mirth. You were worried. You're enjoying this, Styles squawks, hitting Derek's shoulder in irritation, because he spent the last couple of hours agonizing about losing Derek before he even built up the courage to tell him he loved him. Derek winces, and Styles is pushing back his jersey. Oh my god, you're bleeding! His hands hover over the dark crimson ebbing through the uniform. We need to get you to the infirm- It can wait, Derek says, hooking his left arm around Styles' shoulders, pulling Styles flush to Derek's chest. Their faces barely an inch apart. Styles feels a rush of warmth in his chest, and Derek's lips brush near Styles' right ear. He can feel the tips turning bright red. Now let's get this nightmare over with, so I can have a proper celebration. He pulls back from Styles to face the crowd that's surrounding them. Derek lifts the Triwizard Cup in the air, and the eruption of cheers is almost deafening. Styles quirks his lips, and Derek's eyes follow them attentively. This isn't enough? Derek's smile turns secretive, and his eyes go far away for a moment, like he knows something Styles doesn't. Not even close grins Derek wolfishly, before he leans down to capture Styles' mouth with his. Styles can feel the happy noise Derek makes rumble through his chest before Derek reluctantly pulls back. That should hold me. Derek grins, and Styles flushes with embarrassment when Derek turns fully towards the crowd, his arm wrapped possessively over Styles' shoulder, pulling Styles' back to his chest, the Triwizard Cup in his left hand held high. It seems like it's been an eternity when Derek finally pulls Styles to the top of the Astronomy Tower and away from the party in Gryffindor Tower. Styles has been at Derek's side since they left the champion's podium to a far too brief trip to the infirmary, despite Derek's protests of being more than fine, and then the celebration feast where Derek kept Styles' left hand threaded through his own. It feels like coming home and the beginning of an adventure when Derek finally runs his fingers through Styles' short hair, traces the long line of his neck, Highlighting the blossoming bruise he left possessively on Styles' throat with his teeth the night before the third task, and catches Styles' bottom lip in a deep kiss that leaves Styles feeling undone. It's a good thing they're alone under the warm summer night sky. Scott's even promised not to interrupt. Worth the wait? Styles manages to stutter out. His heart feels like it's about to beat out of his chest. He's sure Derek can hear it. Derek's warm green eyes are heavy-lidded full of desire and want. It has Styles breathless when they flicker bright blue. You have no idea. I get lost, messed up, and bored when I'm alone too long. I can't sleep, function, or eat when I'm not with someone. Late last fall, she ended
time and everything's changed But I still feel the same All good things eventually end